So uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thanks so much for listening and uh, being here with us on whatever platform you're doing so. Uh, today we have Ian on the podcast. What's up, Ian? Hello. And also a special guest today, good old Steel Davis. What's up, man? What's up? I'm sure people, <laughs> some people cringed. Some people were like, yes. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you on, man, and uh, have you here as, a, as our special guest. And uh, we've actually we've been having trying to have you on for, what, now about two two or three weeks now? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, with, the, with all the crowdfunding stuff going on and just uh, all the stuff that we deal with on a daily basis, it's been, uh, it's been hard to find time, but I'm glad we finally got to reconnect and uh, get you on the podcast to get to hang out for a little bit. So, uh, so uh, for those listeners that uh, maybe don't know who you are, what you're about, and kind of what you're doing, uh, give, give kind of a, a little bit of a background of like, you know, how you got into the hobby and what started it all and, you know, where does your inspiration come from and, and kind of the style of what you shoot on your videos, that, that kind of stuff. Give some background to, uh, to our, our listeners. All right. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We got you. Mm-hmm. We got you loud and clear. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Just making sure I'm standing like right outside of a door and I didn't want to like be on the edge of Wi-Fi and it'd be like, <laughs> Dude, that's the way we do that with live videos sometimes when we go outside and we just, it's just terrible sometimes. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> sorry, I got, I got a little bit of sickness left over, so you may hear me clear my throat. Oh, no problem. <laughs> All right. So my name is Steel Davis. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, it's called Mr. Steel. And uh, for those of you that aren't aware of the FPV community, that's kind of what I do. I'm, I'm really into FPV mini quads, and that's what I make videos about. Just I'm kind of known for traveling the world, um, whether it be through group activities or just me personally going to events. And I film all of the kind of behind the scenes stuff and also known as being one of the kind of pioneer pilots in this industry for um, like cinematography stuff with a with a mini quad drone. Mm-hmm. So instead of like a DJI fan where you have a stabilized gimbal, um, flying these little, you know, they're not they're stabilized, but they're not like stabilized like you would think with a drone. Right. Like you fly it. It's got a gyro on it. Um, but you know, it's a little, it's a, it takes a little bit more like skill along with the eye and able the able, the ability to put this thing where you want it to be at the right moment. And you, know, you can get really close to some action sports. Like I film action sports, like snowboarding and supercross and, you know, just mountain biking, anything that's got a window of speed between <laughs> about five miles an hour and 60 miles an hour is pretty, pretty <laughs> solid. Um, that's my kind of, when people ask me, what can you film? Like, well, anything that goes between zero and a 50, 60 miles an hour is pretty good. Anything a little yeah. faster than that, it's hard <laughs> for me awesome. to keep up. So, right. um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, make YouTube videos and that's my, my job. Um, I, I just started out making videos and how I got into the industry is, uh, I got a toy helicopter for Christmas in 2000. <laughs> 14 nice and or maybe it was 13 i think it was 2013 i got a toy helicopter for christmas and then like early on i immediately mastered that and then got into collected pitch helicopters bought a bought a, a line 450 t-rex okay on it on craigslist a couple weeks later and you know built that thing up and started flying that around and um 
in going to the hobby shop to get parts for my Lion 450 that I didn't break. I just wanted like a charger or something. And I stumbled across this giant DJI S1000. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's a big octocopter that carried a GH4 at the time, which was a huge camera in 2014, which is, you know, people are carrying Reds and Alexa Minis these days. So uh, a GH4 is not that gnarly anymore. And um, (laughs) I stumbled across that drone, asked people questions about it because I wanted to get, I had just graduated college or, and I had been teaching rock climbing because I hated working nine to five job. And I was like, I want to try to do something with videography. Didn't really know anything about it. And I asked them what they did. And there was a dude named Phil Grossman that owned that drone that had been to Chernobyl. And it kind of like sparked my interest. He was the first person to fly drones in Chernobyl legally. And you know, Chernobyl for me, was like this really fascinating thing. So it kind of sparked my interest on drones as like a career. And then I got into looking online for FPV stuff, stumbled across a Team Black Sheep video. And then um, after realizing that, like, that was really difficult to do what they were doing, I kind of just started looking around for, you know, entry-level stuff and stumbled across, like, you know, trying to learn the basics of RC, stumbled across flight test, actually. And uh, that was kind of a huge foundation of me learning, you know, about Expo and you know, different products and how planes worked. And I never really got into fixed wing too hardcore, but definitely right around that time, the Blackout Mini H-Quad had come out. Right. And they had re- they reviewed that on the Flight Test channel. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how I got started. And kind of that the, the rest is history for right. the last four years <laughs> right. is, you know, traveling, meeting up with people, interacting with, you know, idols of mine, like, you know, Chad Capper and just, you know, meeting all the people that I learned stuff from in the beginning, Josh Pixler, meeting all you guys, right. hanging out with people that I watched on YouTube and then kind of became YouTube, whatever you want to call it, famous on my own. Right, right. And it's, that's kind of how it, how it goes. That's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's it's cool that uh, you know, we hear those st- stories every so often and, and some are not as maybe uh, well-known as you are on the YouTube scene, but a lot of people uh, have commented since I'm the community engagement, I, I, I get to hear these things um, that, you know, Hey, we started with flight tests and, and now we're here and we're going this way and, and we're, we're growing and all this stuff. And so it, it really helps us to kind of like, when you say those things, it really helps us to realize like what we're doing makes sense, you know, and what we're doing actually has an impact um, to not only the fixed wing community, but the drone community as well. Um, cause I know most people would probably say that, Oh, flight test, they're, they're, they're mostly just fixed wing. Uh, but we do both. And, and we've been trying to hit that heavy with, uh, with Ian and Matt and the rest of the, the crew here trying to make sure that we can continue to grow in that area. And also learning from you guys, the, the pilots out there and hearing what you guys want to see and what you want to, want to have on the, on the show and all that kind of stuff. So it means a lot when you, uh, when you say that kind of stuff, cause uh, we've been trying I'm real hard to get there. <laughs> yeah. It's only, it's only natural, man. What goes around comes around, I guess. That's right, man. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, it's cool to, it's cool to hear, uh, how you kind of grew up into it and, and that it's actually something that's very recent for you. It's not something that has been, um, you know, you were six years old and you, you, you saw a helicopter, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you were coming out of college, like you said. And, and, uh, I know that yeah. a lot of these, I talked to Ian on the regular that he, 
Uh, Ian, what what uh, what quad uh, organization are you a part of uh, up in Cleveland? Um, Cleveland Quad Squad. Cleveland Quad Squad. And you guys have a team that, that races and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You you have a lot of young people that come through, right? Yeah. We have a bunch of like, um, I would say under 18. I wouldn't say a bunch, but um, yeah. a handful of skilled pilots that are under the age of 18. Right. And regularly fly with us. And one of them is uh, Jimbo Slice. We got to meet mm-hmm. him the other day. Um, but he is what, four, 14? 14. 14. And I don't know how much experience you've had, Steele, with, with the younger generation uh, flying and stuff like that. But from what I've been talking with Ian, like these guys are just coming out of nowhere from the video game kind of side of things, just coming out and straight crushing uh, drone racing and just freestyle and stuff like that. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, on that and see, like, ha- is that something that you've seen as well in the industry or is that kind of still kind of kind of far out? Uh, I mean, obviously, just like, I think drones parallel video games very easily. I mean, mm-hmm. it's easy to see the comparison. So it's only natural that there will always be younger and better people coming out there because I made a video yesterday actually talking about the level of standard, what is normal. Um, <laughs> the norm changes every year. Uh, what is what is considered good, you know, for one person one year is like, baby steps in two years for every industry right can you guys hear, can you hear that plane yeah that's all that's awesome <laughs> so, it's so, is, so where are you where above are you, the clouds dude, um, where, where are you located right now i'm at my parents house so nice buford georgia area yeah all i'm right. up here i bought some wheels for a car of mine and i was kind of getting some tires and stuff put on them today i think i saw that on instagram right did you um, uh, did you post that on instagram or somewhere yeah worked on a buddy of mine and helped me put some brake stainless steel brake lines and stuff on on my subaru last night so Ooh, nice well played <laughs> ended up staying up here yeah very cool but back to the the norm situation where we were talking about like you know snowboarding 20 years ago you know someone just having to be able to carve front side and back side and go off a small kicker was like a substantial thing um and now you got like what is it some i think she's like 14 or 18 year old u.s chick that just won the female right. nat- or the female gold medal i don't know i haven't been watching it i don't know i've just seen and speculate. Yeah, i know sean I, white i haven't got yeah i, I know sean white much. won again but you know like the the norm of tricks like five years ago probably a 1080 was outrageous on a snowboard and now 1440s are the norm like if you're not doing a 1440 or multiple 1440s in in your runs and you're not even competitive Right. Um, so it's the same thing with FPV. I mean, three years ago, like Sharpu doing a Rubik's cube at 180, or I think he was even higher than that, like 200 feet off the ground, where you flip upside down. You basically do a half backflip and then a full roll so that you land back in the position you started, and then you pull out of the backflip. So it's like a backflip roll, half half backflip roll, half backflip, right. and you go the same way you came. Anyways, like I had thought of that trick. And I had never, I had tried it, but it was only at like orbit basically because <laughs> you were terrified to do it low. Um, and, you know, watching him do it at like a hundred feet was, was crazy. And now I'm doing it <laughs> inches off ground going under tree gaps, like, right. you know, normal, normal, like chest height tree branches. And I'm doing Rubik's cubes underneath trees. And it's like, what? That, that wasn't normal two years ago so just the level of ability 
is well, you're not, it's not really that your ability is changing. It's just what you think is normal is a lot at the bar is so much higher. So right, you're pushing you got people coming in, you got people coming in that are like 10 and they see a guy going around a racetrack and he's doing it. And you know, the average time around this huge track is 30 seconds. And he's like, Oh, well that's normal. I got to be able to do it in 30 seconds or less, or I'm not good. Um, where, you know, all the people that were into drones four years ago, we're all in their mid twenties and are even higher mid thirties even. And, you know, it was just the people that could afford it and the people that had the time to do it, it was basically a bunch of middle-aged nerds, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is, which is what, what I mean, now it's like a little more affordable, a little more accessible. The quads don't require a PhD in electronics engineering <laughs> to be able to, to be able to tune, you know? Right. So it's yeah, becoming more I don't think, more Ian, I don't think Ian and I, either of us have uh, PhDs, PhDs in English, so that's good. <laughs> definitely yeah, definitely much more accessible. No, and that's, yeah. a, and that's a good point. The When you talk about the norm, it, it's always being pushed and it's always being kind of reframed um, in, in, in this new kind of, because we talk about it all the time here at Flight Test, <clears throat> in, in years, like in plane years, like you come out with a plane every year and like motors change and all that stuff, but in like, Every year that's normal year, it's like five years in quad years. Yeah, it's like dog years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like a it's like a weird, crazy, uh, insane ratio. But it's so true though, because all the technology is changing, the motors are changing. Yes, I mean, I mean, the technology and the board. I mean, the small, the even this, it's the miniature factor of everything now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we get we just got some stacks in the other day that we're putting on these you know, turbo gremlins. Yeah, that are like. You never, two years ago, you would have been like laughed at somebody's face, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, Trappy's got a receiver now that's as big as your thumbnail that's going to go, you know, for miles. Like, yeah. before you have used to have a receiver that was, you know, actually had a battery in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. No, and that, and that's a good point because, like, you know, you have to, like, it, it, it to me, if you're not keeping up in, on this hobby, like if you're just kind of like here and there, you're going to fall behind. You're going to lag behind very quickly, uh, unfortunately. Uh, but yet, and that you have to stay current. And, you know, that's that's the one thing, if I'm being honest, that's the one thing I very do much like about fixed wing aircraft. <laughs> not going to lie. because it, like It stays pretty consistent. <laughs> exactly. And like I can go and build a uh, an FT flyer right now go out in the backyard and have some fun. Mm-hmm. Or I could go and fly a C-Duck, which is much more high performance or a right. Mustang and have probably pretty much the same amount of fun, right. but not have to worry about like, Oh, five years has gone past. I can't use that motor Ooh, or two I, weeks has gone past. Right. Exactly. I can go, I can probably do a better flat spin if I just had this servo. <laughs> yeah. I need exactly. to upgrade my servos. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty straight across the board, which is nice. And I, and I think and I'll, I'll ask you the same question, Steele. I don't know how much fixed wing you have, uh, have kind of done. And I know I've seen you fly some wings and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, I feel that like, if you can balance out quads and fixed wing, it is the perfect combination to balance out everything RC. And I don't know about you, but like, I, I, that's just how I feel. What, what are your What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I fixed wing to me is a lot more, like you said, it's a little more consistent. So it's a little more relaxing to go out and fly fixed wing, especially when you're not held to a standard. You know, like right. when I go out and fly quads, if I go out and fly in front of anyone that I'm not 100 percent 
that I haven't known for years, they're going to hold me to this level that if I don't fly as hard as possible, then, you know, I'm not what I was up, cracked up to be online or whatever. Right. So, you know, when I go out and fly fixed wing, I'm like, you know, I suck at fixed wing, but I can knife edge inches off the ground and do stuff that was considered crazy in 1980. But, um, <laughs> you know, today I'm not doing like flat or snap rolls two inches off the ground with a hundred, a hundred, uh, CC gas engine or something like right. that, or 200 CC gas, hundred inch plane. Um, and I don't care to do that. Like a foamy is perfectly adequate for me. Exactly. No, um, but at the same time, like I, mini quads are different in that respect because to have a quality flying mini quad, I feel like you either go small or you, you go kind of expensive. <laughs> there's mm. not really any, there's not really any middle ground. You can't really get a larger quad for, in, for real, for really inexpensive. I mean, yeah, you can get into it for a budget, but, right. um, for, for the quality stuff and it's become a lot more affordable. I was talking about this yesterday on the video that I made. Um, it was like, you know, when I started flying motors were $43 a piece for an 1806, 2300 KV T motor. Um, that's $200 in motors oh on a goodness. motor. That's like the size of your thumb and produces about as much power as you know, the whole quad, <laughs> the whole quad produced as much power as one motor does these days. Right. That's... So it, it's crazy to think that, you know, I spent so eight hundred dollars on a little tiny drone that you know produced maybe maybe two thousand uh grams of thrust and the quad weighed about 750 <laughs> with a gopro on it uh, it had barely two two to one power to ratio weight ratio oh my and it it's just crazy to think that um it's just it, i don't know a, a lot it's moved a lot it's moved quickly very uh, in a short amount of time but and I kind of preach this on ethics. I know you're going to ask me about ethics later, but like what ethics is a brand of mine. We can talk about it now or do you want, do you want me to just, yeah, no, let's, let's go, let's go straight into that. I mean, that, that's uh, it's a good segue. Uh, yeah. Update everybody on, uh, on that kind of that, that side of things for, uh, for the business side of things. All right. So like I said, I've kind of made a career out of, you know, flying these drones at any, in some way, shape or fashion. I do it either through professional video videography, um, as a hired gun, or I create products because obviously, um, being able to fly these things well, you kind of know certain idiosyncrasies about what these things do and when they do it and how to react to counter it. And, you know, what you might be able to tell an engineer that doesn't fly these things on that level to change, to make it better as a better user experience, make it a little more predictable. Um, and also, you know, the more people you have producing products, the less, the less of a demand for that particular product. So the price has to go down. Mm -hmm. you know, there's more demand, but there's more people building. So it's kind of, you've, you're saturating the market. So the price eventually goes down and also more R and D equals, you know, more sales, it doesn't always, but you kind of get the idea. There's more stuff being made. There's a lot more competition. So the price actually goes down. So it's more affordable actually. So you right. get higher quality stuff or more affordable price. Um, but kind of my idea with, with ethics, which is a company that I've created is, you know, for the longest time, it's always chase the, chase the new hype. Like you said, it's like dog ears every couple months, you got to have the newest motor or you're not going to be able to do that. 
that trick or you're not going to be able to have as much power because you don't have this new prop that just came out. And, mm-hmm. um, it's to me flying a drone or a mini quad isn't really about having the newest stuff. It's about formulating, um, a group of components that work well for you and do what you're trying to do with a mini quad. If you want the fastest race quad in the world, then you're probably going to have to keep up with the hype every couple of weeks. You know, you're going to, oh, I need this new motor. I, I need to try this 2700 KV motor with this particular prop on this motor on this frame because this frame has less air drag because the arms are thinner. But then, you know, I crashed because I hit a gate and it broke an arm. It's not as durable. What, what frame works for me as a racing frame? Right. Um, for me, like I just like freestyle, which I consider freestyle kind of the, I don't know. It's like, it's more of the, the old man's game in this industry <laughs> to me. Okay. Like it, not necessarily old, but it's the you don't, OG. you don't, yeah, you don't have to have the newest of new to fly freestyle. But if you want it to fly smooth with a camera on it, that's, that's where it comes down to having the right formula and having the right components that work well and are reliable and consistent for you. Right. And that's kind of what I'm doing with ethics. Ethics is a company where, you know, I personally, I've been working with Trappy for, you know, probably three years now since I became a sponsored pilot. I actually approached Trappy after he commented on one of my videos and I became the first pilot ever to fly for TBS for with drones, like a mini quad. And it spawned a relationship because I looked up to Trappy as like one of my idols because he's one of the, he's the person that got me into FPV basically. Right. Um, and we created this kind of bond and relationship and he understands that, you know, I have an engineering background. I also have a piloting background and a lot of experience in this particular industry with these particular components and these quads. And he like, you know, gave me a bone and was like, here, you want to try to make something? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we ended up (laughs) creating a motor and like, I did it to my specifications after I had already worked with Tim from get FPV for a year to try to create a motor and we couldn't come to terms on what was going to work and what wasn't. So I ended up working with Trappy for about six months and we came out with a motor after, you know, at this point, including Tim's prototypes. So it was probably close to, I did about 40 prototypes with Trappy and about 15 with Tim. So, you know, after 55 or so prototypes, we came out with a motor that was like exactly what I wanted. And that the, the, it sounds kind of, you know, selfish, but I build all these products for me. I don't, I don't build them for other people. I want it to work well for what I do. Right. And it just so happens that people like what I do and they want to emulate it. So in creating products for me, it actually creates a product for an entire, you know, people an entire community that is like, you know, I really want to fly freestyle. I really want to fly an FPV camera smoothly with a GoPro on it and be able to capture footage of my environment. I don't, necessarily want to race but i can race it's not saying that they can't race there's a lot of people that do both but as far as a formula for a freestyle rig that carries a camera well and smoothly and flies flies regularly and consistently that's kind of what i'm pushing for is it all gear needs to be built for a purpose specific to you and if it doesn't meet those guidelines then you know, what it, what doesn't meet those guidelines for you and can you adjust it or refine it in a way to make it meet those guidelines? Right. No. And, and that's a good point. Cause like we were, we were talking to uh, a while back, we were talking to jet actually. Um, uh, and obviously he's a huge racing guy and, 
the the thing he was saying was very similar to what you're saying about you know your freestyle rig is the guys over there <clears throat> they were talking about you know we they they make products as well and they make products of what they want to fly and how yeah. they want how they want to race and um, what they you know what they feel that they need to be successful and like you said it just happens to also meet a need in the community in the flying the FPV whatever community it might be mainly because yeah. you guys as top pilots you guys are seeing things seeing issues and those kinds of things usually before the general public because you're flying more often you have that kind of awareness and that sense and then you're able to kind of combat that to where someone flies your build or or, or jets or whatever and they have a great experience because yeah. it's just it's just it's been refined you know what i mean it's not it's not that crappy quad that you get at walmart that's got the jitter bugs everywhere throughout it. And yeah. it also is kind of tuned to maybe a certain flying style that is more emulated to you or to him or, or whatever it may be. So I get that. And I think that makes sense. And I think that that's something that's really cool about the top pilots is that they can kind of see those issues way before the general public might have to experience them. Yeah. And I love this industry and this community in general, because, you know, in it's very rare that, there are people that are doing the task that can actually, you know, um, I guess influence the products that are being built right. in, in most, in most communities or hobbies. Um, it's like an engineer will come out with something and then, you know, whether or not it had any input from a professional at that industry or that community is, you know, you don't know, you don't know if it's, the food industry is a great example, but you know, for little small, like extreme sports industries, it's and communities, it's, it's pretty regular that you get someone that's a pro that links up with a team of engineers for a company and they they design something that works better for that particular pro. And in doing so innovation kind of runs down the whole, the whole community at that point. Right. No, 100%. one, one company comes out with one thing and they're like, other companies are like, no, we need to do that, but we need to do it better. And then it just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing until eventually you either reach the limit of what these things are <laughs> capable of, which right now I think battery technology is our hugest downfall. Yep. Um, but, you know, we're getting better and better every every freaking day. I'm in this KISS thread um, with Felix, which is like the head coder and designer for uh, KISS firmware, mm -hmm. like uh, Flyduino stuff. And he's coming out with ESC firmwares every other day. That's <laughs> like a, a new revision of an ESC firmware every other day. I see like, oh, here's whatever. I think it's 1.20 E or 1.20 H, 1.20 R. Like <laughs> he just keeps going down the alphabet. And every other day there's a new firmware that's got a tweak on it that, you know, you got a whole group of pilots, the test pilots that are going out and flying the stuff every day and giving feedback. And there's just never been that kind of, immediate feedback you know back in the day there were two test pilots right and you were just like yeah you know i got around to flying it today and it felt kind of good and then you know a week later the quad falls out of the sky and you're like yeah i don't know what happened something just fell out of the sky you don't have any proof you don't have any logging <laughs> you don't have any other person to back you up that it fell out of the sky it was just you saying you know it fell out of the sky and you kind of just they just took your word for it and went and revised the code and looked through it and if right. they didn't see anything then it was like oh well it must have been a fluke but now it's like you know, I got 10 guys that are like, oh, yeah, I fell out of the sky. Here's data. Go, right. like, fix it. 
Right. Exactly. Which is like we talk about that five year thing, you know, every every year is five years in quadrus because it's happening so fast. And, you know, just same thing with Trappy and his new ESC that's that's the size of your thumbnail. I mean, it's just the innovation is real, you know, and it's just it's it's getting insane. So we'll have to keep on the lookout for those kinds of things as we move forward uh, in the industry. because We don't want to. I'm sure you don't. And I'm sure obviously us here at Flight Test, we don't want to lag behind. We want to be able to be industry leaders to help the communities, you know, have to not experience those crazy issues that uh, hopefully we can keep them from. So uh, so that's a lot of good, a lot of good information, which I appreciate that. Uh, one yeah. of the areas that I wanted to touch on, um, uh, and I know we're, we're, we're getting through some stuff here, but uh, is, is quad share. Um, yeah. We just uh, we just launched that recently on the that's in in our you know near our flight test forums and and part of that yep. uh, kind of it's it's separate it's it's the same and separate all at the same time um, and so I wanted to get your thoughts on you know what is it what's the inspiration behind it I know we did a video but you know not everybody gets that video to see um, you know who is it for how does it work you know th- what's the story. Uh, that you kind of want to portray maybe that you can do in a little bit uh, longer setting uh, here in the podcast that, that you can't do in a, you know, six minute video with B roll and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. All right. So (laughs) there's a, it's kind of a weird thing going on with, (laughs) you know, we're talking about quads progressing so quickly, right? We're talking about every couple of weeks, something new comes out and like there are the people that really want to push boundaries and need the newest stuff. And at the same time, those people have that gear that's, you know, three weeks old that uh, is still perfectly working good gear. Right. They just don't use it anymore because it's not the newest and greatest thing. And there's a lot of people with just disposable um, income that can buy parts and just try the newest thing all the time. But there's a lot of people that are getting into this community that are just that can't afford to do that. You know, like you're talking about earlier, you got those guys that are under 18. Um, I know when I was under 18, I... I mean, I, I grew up in a middle-class white family, you know, only child. I pretty much didn't get everything I wanted, but I, if I wanted to skateboard, which was what I did, you know, I, you know, I got shoes every couple months and I was pretty fortunate when it came to getting and getting equipment. But at the same time, skateboarding is not an expensive industry. It's not an expensive hobby. You got a hundred dollars for a complete skateboard and you got, you know, a pair of $60 shoes every couple months. That's, not that expensive when right. you come when you think about it um you're talking about fpv you got an entry-level cost at i would say no less than 500 dollars, and that's a one-time spending that's not like you you don't buy like a 30 dollars esc and then wait six months and buy a 30 dollars uh camera and then wait six months and then buy a 50 dollars worth of motors like if you did that you none of it would be compatible because it just you know, you're waiting. It, it probably would be compatible, but I'm being, I'm over exaggerating. Right, the no, fact that yeah, if you waited that long between purchases, you would probably lose the, the end goal. You would, you would lose the end goal of what you're trying to do because you're waiting so long between purchases. So you really need to kind of buy it all at one time. Unlike a kit with a plane, you could buy the kit as far as, and you could build it, you know, you could have time building the kit and then you could buy the electronics and put the electronics in after you built it. With mm-hmm. a quad, you kind of need it all to build it, right? That's true. Yeah. So quad share is, to me, it's filling that gap for people that can't afford to buy the newest and greatest stuff, but yet also can't afford to buy even you know parts that are you know a couple months old that are not necessarily cheap, 
the weird thing about this industry is stuff will it 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 changes so frequently it like sheds its skin and something new comes out but then the old stuff actually all sold out so it doesn't really exist anymore it's all in people's homes like in their boxes waiting to be just you know thrown away or given to the next next person so with a plane like i said you could buy a kit you could sit on it you could build it slowly and you could have a project with a quad you really need a lot and it's it's kind of a big purchase to buy all of it at once um and i get it like i preach you know buy quality gear buy it once and you won't have to deal with the headaches you know Mm -hmm. buy something that someone has already worked out the problems and you don't have to worry about it you're just going to go out and you're going to have a good experience and that's kind of what you guys you guys tell people you know Mm -hmm. like with flight tests you go out and you buy you know this and this and this and this and this it's a formula that you guys have put together you know it works well it's fairly inexpensive and you can go out and you're going to have a good experience and that's really what everyone wants they don't want to waste their money and spend you know, $500 on this thing and then go out and like, I can't even program my radio because, <laughs> you know, it broke and the battery is dead out of the box and all this stuff. So there's two things to think about. You can buy quality gear in the beginning and not have the headaches, or you can, you know, can't afford the quality gear. And then it's like, what do you do now? Cause all these people are telling me to buy a quality gear, but I can't afford it. So what do right. I do? So this is what quad share is. And I know that was an extremely long <laughs> tangent to, to get to what the quad share is, but sorry about that, but it's no, kind of needed. That's, that's um, what I but, asked. I wanted to make sure that people knew. <laughs> <laughs> but so quad share is like in a, in a nutshell, it's secondhand gear that people are willing to donate or, I mean, it doesn't have to be donated. It could be, you know, you sell it to them at a stupidly cheap price or whatever, something that you're not going to ever use again because you consider it to be old gear. Uh, you know, like for me, like Kiss 24 amps, like they're perfectly good ESCs. I use them for two years and they work great. I have no problems with it at all, but I've changed to Kiss 32 amps and now I have a couple, you know, Kiss 24 amps lying around that I'm never going to put on another quad because I personally won't fly them because I have access to the 32 amps now. Right. So what am I going to do with those 24 amps? Well, you know, there's two options. One, you know, a friend comes over and is like, Hey, uh, I want to get into this. And I'm like, Oh, well, you know, here's some stuff I can give it to somebody (laughs) or I can let it sit there and collect dust until I'm 40 years old and then just throw it away. Right. Those are the two options. Now the third option is setting up quad share which enables people to interact with each other and say, Hey, like I'm looking for this. And you say, Oh, well, you know, I have a bunch of that lying around. Why don't I interact with this person Mm -hmm. and say, yo, man, I got, you know, 10 ESCs, three of them might work, but you know, the rest the seven of them I know work perfectly fine. Um, can I, do you, would you like four of them? Right. Um, and it's asking a lot to like, you know, ship someone something. It depends where they live. Um, and it, we're still kind of figuring it out. Like I'm still mm-hmm. going through and reading some of this stuff and I'm like, you know, this is working, this isn't working. What can we do to change? So it's a, it's a growing organism yep. in reality. Like it's not something I just put up and expected to work immediately. I'm not that naive. I know, <laughs> right. I know it's going to take work and I know it's going to take a lot of time to get a fluid working organism, like right. I'm saying, but, um, you know, we, it's kind of laid out in a sense where you have what people are looking for and what people are giving away. You have two sections, you Mm -hmm. have donations and you have, uh, like asking for section. So say you're a younger kid or, you know, I'm not going to be age 
age uh, ageist, I guess you could put that. But say <laughs> you're someone that <laughs> say you're someone that doesn't have the income to be able to go buy something new, or say you even purchased a bunch of stuff, you've already spent like that five, six hundred, seven hundred dollars, and you have a problem, and you know maybe you burnt you you dumb thumbed and soldered something backwards, and you turned it on and one of the ESCs fried, and now that ESC isn't sold anymore or you can't find it in your country or something like that. Mm-hmm. So you can go into QuadShare and you can say, hey, I need one KISS 24 amp. And then someone would be like, yo, I got a KISS 24 amp. What's your address? And they might mail it to you in an envelope or something. You right. know? Yep. Like it, it just gives people a little bit more of a closer interaction with someone that it, it kind of puts people in the same ballpark where like if you go on a Facebook group, and it's just a generic Facebook group. And I personally, I think Facebook groups are kind of cancerous as far as information goes because, you know, you type one thing and then people start talking crap on it. And, you know, it just instantly goes to down the gutter immediately. It doesn't yeah. matter what you put. You could put a picture of a fluffy squirrel <laughs> and then all of a sudden someone's going to be like, I hate squirrels. They killed my family when I was three. And then like someone else chimes in guns should be banned in all squirrel countries and it just you know goes crazy it goes crazy from there why does it need to do that right so uh, <laughs> you know good, it could easily good. turn into like it could easily turn into something completely not related very quickly um and that's kind of what i'm trying to get away from i i really like forums i think forums are a wealth of information um, but some people don't want to sift through them and that's why facebook is healthy ish Right, because it's yeah. a little more like it's a little more in your face, but it's a lot easier to talk crap on a Facebook thread than it is on a forum because you actually right. have to log into a forum and go find what you want to talk. Yeah, crap and there on. are moderators and yeah, all that stuff. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So with a forum base, you know, this is like, hey, I'm going to the site because either I have gear that I don't that I want to get rid of, or I have gear that I'm looking for, and uh, and eventually I'd love it for I'd love Quadshare to just be kind of like an overall generic forum where you can get information from where there are people sharing videos like i have set up threads on there where you can actually post your video so people right. you know you can go in there and say hey i want to look and see what people are up to these days see what kind of new pilots are coming out there and i'd love for it to be you know that's why i partnered with you guys flight test i want it to be the the go-to startup to get into mini quads right instead of like going on facebook and getting lost um, and getting discouraged by people bad mouthing each other and people talking down on products because they personally had a friend that had a friend that had a friend that had a friend that had a problem. Right. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like that. And I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to get away from that as much as possible and, and share true experience, whether or not it's, you know, you can't take everything hundred percent every time, but you can at least, you know, look for people that have a reputable voice and say, Hey, this guy actually knows what he's talking about to an extent. I will take his opinion with a grain of salt and then I'll go look for other people's opinions. And if all of those opinions match, um, as far as like my scatter plot chart, then, uh, you know, maybe I'll make a choice at that point. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, and as I obviously I, I'm on the forums all the time and I'm, I'm over on the quad share forum looking through stuff and you know, like you said, it's going to take some time to get where 
we think it needs to be or, or, or what we want it to be, you know, at, you know, from your mindset, what you kind of envisioned as this, uh, you know, as your dream as it is. Um, but at the same time, um, that's how, that's how everything is. You know, I mean, that could be anybody's journey into quads and planes, um, FPV. I mean, you could look at that way in anything. It takes time. Um, and if you're willing to put forth the time, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna reap the benefits. And, and I love that what you've done there with that, um, with the, with the notion of, Hey, I have old stuff, you have stuff, let's put it together and let's make somebody's life changed forever in a positive yeah. way, you know? And, and that, and that's a huge thing. And so I'll, uh, for all our listeners, we'll have a, uh, a link in the show notes. You can go check out quad share, um, at, at your earliest convenience. Um, go check it, sift through the stuff. And if you're willing to donate some stuff or if you need some stuff, you can go check that out and, uh, you know, help people and help others, but also, uh, you know, get, get on the, uh, FPV, get on the quad bandwagon and, and make things happen. So I appreciate yeah. uh, appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I have one little tidbit that I forgot to mention, but yes. the idea of quad share in the long run, like I didn't give you like a, you know, an end goal. Right. The end goal obviously is to have a well-oiled organism or well-oiled machine that works well as far as where people can go to donate gear and also receive gear. But right. I think the end goal is to set up a facility where people can just ship their gear so they, so they don't have to sift, you know, like you know, it's, it's fairly hard to go, Hey, well, you know, there's 30 people that want ESCs and I have four ESCs. Who do I give them to? Right. You just got You got to make a decision. So at some point it'll be, you know, this is my end goal would be to have a facility where you can just say, Oh, I have a bunch of old gear. I'm going to donate it. And you know, you might even have, you you might even get a tax write off on your donation. Almost like a goodwill for Um, quad stuff. (laughs) <laughs> basically yeah so you, you send it in and you say hey this is what i got and then you know i don't know how we'll distribute it yet or but you know for the most part we've proven i have proven this you can put a bunch of different escs and a bunch of different motors and a bunch of different props yeah. and a frame that's like you know not the best frame in the world and the thing will fly right and for something for free at Ian's least over here you know, shaking his head 100 percent, yes <laughs> It'll fly, all right? I don't, it's not going to fly super well, but it will fly well enough for mm-hmm. you to get the idea of flight and it'll get you hooked on it because you'll be like, oh, I just built something and it flies and right. I can control it. And, you know, you get psyched on it. So that is what the end goal is. And, and at some point, maybe even we have so many donations that we can just say, oh, well, you know, we have 500 quads worth of parts. And we have 300 people that are now active on the forum, are active in the community that really want to get into this, but they don't have these quads. We might even just be able to send an entire ready-to-fly kit to these people. Right. And, you know, there's enough equipment out there to do that. There yeah. is definitely enough equipment in my garage alone to probably facilitate five to ten complete builds that I would never build. Right. But, you know, are completely perfectly fine for someone getting into the industry or even a moderately like I would say extremely skilled pilot could use the equipment that I have but you get the idea like one person probably has two to three extra quads in their possession you got to think how many pilots there are out there that's you know three to four times the amount of gear that can be used right in the industry I mean (laughs) you got I know I personally have like just quads hanging on my wall that I just consider wall hangers that exactly. are already already put together and they fly great. Yeah, yep. 
hundred percent. So, and I know everybody that I know has that. Oh yeah. They'll have five, five to 10 quads at any given point in time that may be in disarray or, you know, five of them might work. Two of them might be half broken. One of them might just be this quad that has a hex on it that keeps crashing when you fly it or something. Or just a bad <laughs> motor or just one bad ESC or something. Yeah. And a lot of that stuff is very easily fixed. It's just, do you have the time and the effort to fix it when you're, you can just build a new one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound cool. All right. <laughs> it's it like, sound you know, why, would, why would I, why would I spend time fixing that thing when I can just build a brand new one and it won't have any problems? Um, that's kind of the mentality when you get to the point where it's, it's still not to the point where you can just snap your fingers and you have a fully built quad. I still spend five, five hours building a quad from scratch. Oh yeah. But still, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of time, but it's still not as much time as me fiddling with this other quad for, you know, three to four hours and maybe fixing the problem. Yeah. Right. Swapping around the just... and all this other stuff, diagnosing left yeah. and right. Yeah. Diagnosing is, uh, the bane of most people's existence <laughs> in this industry. Yeah. And hundred percent. Yeah. We, I sit right uh, behind or in front, whichever way you're looking at it, uh, Matt and Ian. And sometimes like we had a repair service going for a while. Like they're just sitting there like, well, it's not that let's move to this one. Oh, not that let's move to this next thing. Dude. It was just like, it took up so much time and efforts and mental capacity that you're just like, well, could have built two pre-builds by yeah. this time. So that, and that's, and that's one of those things. And I love that, that about quad share that we, there will be a place where and hopefully at some point in time people that could be building those quads and that would be able to facilitate that and uh, i love that dream that you have there steel um knowing full well that this will do a lot of good in the industry um to get people into the hobby you know and and we want to share that as much as 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 much as we possibly can so that's awesome man love that um, so I, I know that, uh, we're running a little long here, but I know that we had some questions that we want to ask, um, some, I, I put on my agenda as rando quest shows. So, uh, I'll try to speedy, speedy through these. Okay. Go, go, go. go. Hit me. Go ahead. Um, me personally, uh, I had a couple of personal questions for you. Um, actually, okay. believe it or not, when I first got into FPV flying, um, you were like the biggest inspiration for me in flying. All I wanted to do was freestyle and knife edge through tree gaps and, uh, and orbit myself or <laughs> orbit myself and just didn't like everything crazy. So, um, I have a question. How would you describe your flight style in as few words as possible? Am I allowed to say B L B A L L S ripping balls is pretty much my flight style. I don't know how to like, it's funny because that term actually was, I think John Schizo actually started that term. Uh, it was like a weird thing when John and I used to fly all the time. Uh, I think we got back from a day as flying or something. and or No, I met up with John the next day, and I told him I had flown the day before, and he's like, did you rip? Like somehow rip became the standard for quads. That's right. like shred and skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. rip is now, that's like the standard word. Uh, and it originated from John and I just talking crap to each other. <laughs> That's and awesome. he's like, did, did you rip yesterday? And I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he's like, but did you rip balls? And then that became, that's how ripping balls got started. And, um, but yeah, I would say in my, in a few, as few words as possible, uh, aggressive, precise. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't know. It's funny. I get a lot of comments on my 
channel where people are like, man, I watched a couple minutes of your video and I thought you were just really out of control. But then I started to realize that you're actually in control. It just right. looks like you're out of control. Exactly. Um, and it, it's not like that I'm twitchy or anything. It's just that I'm doing stuff so close to other objects and so fast. It almost looks like it's out of control. It's just that proximity. Um, yeah, it's just close proximity to things and... I really like aggression. I grew up as an angsty teen and I'm 27, <laughs> about to be 28 and I still am kind of angsty sometimes. So I would, you know. I would agree with you on that. It's probably why I liked your flying style so much and tried to, you know, emulate it as much as I could. But, um, another question, I know that you grew up with us uh, skating and everything like that. And, um, mm -hmm. I also did as well. Um, my question for you is I know that almost all skaters, whether they skated a lot or a little back in the day, they they still to this day, kind of like riding a bike, they have at least one trick in their bag that they can still pull out. If they hop on a board, they can probably <laughs> land it almost nine out of 10 times and just mm -hmm. kind of go. What would your trick be? Um, fakie 360 flip. Dang. Mm. See, I only ever got that, kick flip is like I can do a buttery kick flip almost every time. But that was that <laughs> yeah. was it for me. Fakie 360 would flip would switch, be nice. Switch kick flip and fakie 360 flip are my... Those are my go-to, like, well, kickflip is my go-to first trick and Ollie North, but, like, when I get a little bit warmed up. Ollie like North my, is an old ooh, one. That's a fun trick. Heck yeah. I, I think, I don't know if we invented it, but I swear we invented the Ollie South, where you just jump off of stuff and you throw your back leg out all goofy. <laughs> With the it, looks, it looks so dumb, but it's, it's kind of funny to watch. One more skating-related question. Um, uh-huh. A lot of people, when they're playing games of skate, flat ground, or whatever, um, they have, a, if they know that they've got, you know, um, if an, they ender. Got the, an ender, exactly. They always have an ender <laughs> that they know that they can pull this trick out that that other guy's not going to land. There's no way yeah. that they can rebuttal this trick. What's your trick? Um, it's either a switch disco flip, which is like a heel flip sex change, mm -hmm. um, or a hard flip. Nice. Or it depends. Uh, I used to be able to do Ghetto Bird, which is a hard flip backside 180. Dang. It's like a back back revert where you do a hard flip and you kind of catch it midair and land on the front truck and spin around and backwards. That's it. actually easier. That's easier for me than a standard hard flip for some reason. Because hmm. it's like your well, body you already your, kind of turns. Yeah, I mean, you're torquing your body so much for that hard flip to begin with anyway. It's kind of interesting. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring... Uh, I'm sure that you bring some of that that skating into your flying style. Oh, it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent influenced by skateboarding for it's, sure. Rage Against the Machine, like for me, the biggest influencers for my flying style are skateboarding and music. And awesome. I, was I don't listen ask to you music. Who inspired you to fly mini quads next? Too. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Segue, yeah, if you wanted to segue into that, just yeah, uh, who inspires you for your your mini quad flying? Like, what inspires you when you're you know ripping? So it's changed over the years, uh, and I think that happens with everybody. Once you get to a certain level in anything, you are usually not really inspired by that particular thing anymore. You might be inspired by something else, but it drives you to push harder in a different hobby or something. Mm -hmm. So like for me, skateboarding is always like something that I look up to. Um, it just... it. Like to me, I can sit and watch a skate video and like be completely captivated the entire time where, you know, you can show that to a lot of people and they're like, I don't get it. It's just someone throwing a, a wooden plank down some stairs 
and to me it's all stylistic like right. everyone has their own style and it's it's crazy to me a lot of people compare me to Rodney Mullen for some reason and I like take that as a diss because to me Rodney Mullen has a very not I I don't he's like he's very monotone style. when he st- when he skates because everything's very precise and in technique but it doesn't have very much that yeah like you said, there's steez. no style yeah the steez yeah he's like just to me when i picture rodney mullen i picture like 90s jinko pants with like these really dumb <laughs> a robot socks, perfect, like white perfect kickflip yeah like. and he, he's got these like rolling down the window arms and he's just this really stick like dude flying around and then when you when i think of like pure style there's obviously paul rodriguez is mm. a, a huge influencer in that but then there are so many other skateboarders and this is what influences me to continue to do what I'm doing because I know I'm not going to be one of the best pilots in the world forever. And I don't, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't necessarily matter that I can't do this trick that this other kid does. What really matters is, you know, at, at, there's no point where I'm going to be too old to fly mini quads. Unlike skateboarding, you you retire after a certain age because you don't want to get hurt mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So with skateboarding, everyone has their own style. Every single person can do the same tricks down the same set of stairs. Doesn't matter, but everyone's going to like different people for doing the same trick down the same set of stairs, and they like it because of how that person is. They like how they're how they flip their tricks, how they catch the tricks, how they land, how they react when they land, what kind of you know, mental battle or what kind of physical battle did they go through to get these tricks? Um, and it's, it's a huge influencer as far as style is concerned. Um, and that's really what I shoot for because when I was younger with skateboarding, I had no style. I was young. Um, I just emulated the guys that I looked up to, Mm -hmm. which were, you know, like random skateboarders like Arto Sari and Rick McCrank and, um, Paul Rodriguez. And now like watching skateboarding, there's so I, I can watch a hundred skate tricks on there's a Instagram channel called Skate Crunch that I follow. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow it, it's pretty cool. I, I always tag, I always like throw it out there if people don't know about it. But they just put a video up every single day, multiple videos of people skating, other people on Instagram that post videos. And you get like out of the videos in a week, you'll get about, you know, twenty or so. And there's like six of them that I'm like, whoa. And then the rest of them, they're really good tricks but I just don't care for it. You know, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. The guy did a switch 360 flip back tail, 360 flip out to manual down this ramp. And then, you know, pop kick flipped into a nose manual and then nollie flipped off this 10 foot ledge. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really care. Yeah. It was the most ridiculous trick in the world, but mm-hmm. I didn't like the way the guy executed it. So right. I don't care for it, but I'd rather watch this dude switch flip over a handrail and I can watch it 30 times in a row and be amazed right. every single time. <laughs> right. That's awesome. Now that's cool because yeah. you wonder <clears throat> some of the top pilots, and I, I wonder the same thing of where they get the inspiration from, and like because obviously if you're a top pilot, then you're 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 not reaching above you at looking and emulating a style. You're kind of creating your own style from other things that you've seen and what you feel, um, which is pretty cool. But uh, it's cool to hear where your inspiration comes from for sure. And and uh, first and foremost, I uh, still I got to thank you for. Uh, being available to uh, to come on and talk with us and hang out with us, I know that uh, Ian and I were were having a blast and uh, really enjoyed to to get to catch up with you because obviously you know you get, you're pretty busy with you know engineering this that and the other and and running around traveling and stuff like that. But I'm glad uh, they've got the opportunity to hang out and chat with you today. Yeah, man, thank you guys very much. 
Thank no you. Yeah, and uh, so uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll catch you here in the near future, and uh, we wish you all the best in uh, in your van life and your traveling and all that stuff, um, and keep us posted. All right. And ethics. Cool, man. Thank you guys. All right, man. Take we'll catch care. you later. Cool. Bye. So that was Steele Davis on the on the phone with us here today on the uh, FT podcast. Um, he's a pretty cool guy. Oh yeah, for sure. He's he's got a lot of. Uh, knowledge about the industry. He's got a lot of uh, cool innovations in his head um, as far as what he thinks this industry should become and, and what it can become. Uh, so I look for, forward to seeing what happens in the future with him for sure. But oh, yeah. uh, first and foremost, guys, thanks so much for uh, coming and hanging out with us and uh, listening to this uh, episode of the podcast. Also, um, if you have not done so, um, give us a like on iTunes. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Uh, subscribe. Um, and Ian, thanks so much for coming on and being on today. Well, thank you again. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on, even though it's not as often as I'd probably like. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you guys next time. Peace.